If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. It's the second episode of Movie Club. Yes, is it, it is. Number two? Number two? Okay. This is you. This is number two. Yeah. And picture me, okay, after having watched this movie that we just, that we just did, picture me in front of the rock guitar certification board. I've been, I've, I've, I've been summoned to the, uh, to explain why I watched the sound of music <laughs> and picture a guy with blonde hair and those little glasses that sit on your nose. Yeah. What do they call those? Pince-nez? Yes. Glasses. Yes, yes, I think so. Uh, you know, with a little, uh, like, like a, a, a character actor, you know, so you claim to like the cool music. <laughs> <laughs> you performed at various venues playing classic rock guitar. Explain to us this sound of music. And we've heard, we've heard <laughs> reports have come in from various people that you have been whistling show tunes. <laughs> They're going to take away your, uh, your union card, man. Yeah. I'm, They're going to yeah. take, take away your rock guitar guy. Yeah. I'm, they're going to yank my certification <laughs> right out from underneath me. And my only explanation, the only thing I could honestly say was, I liked it Ooh. and it surprised me that I liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought, and you don't like that you liked it. Kind of no. Um, but then what am I supposed to do with that? You know, I, I thought, see, I thought I would find it to be just way too darn, uh, precious. Do you know what I mean? It's, right. oh, oh, here we go. Um, I'm not a 13 year old girl. I don't want to watch, you know, whatever, but I guess I have to confess to being a little jaded, you know, um, <laughs> just a little bit. Maybe it's the guitar that caused me to be that way. Just a little bit. But like, okay, like, like when Captain Von Trapp, is it, was he Captain? Was Captain Von yeah, Trapp Cap heard the kids singing and it, and it softened his heart. Right. There you go. See? And I, I was, I was moved by that. Yeah. Like I'm looking around, is a cat even seeing me do this? <laughs> you know, being moved by, uh, 15 minutes into it, I found myself thinking, that Maria. I'm not crying. There's right. just, there's something in my eye. It's allergies. <laughs> well, I wasn't crying, but I was moved. And I thought 15 minutes in, I'm thinking, you know, uh, that Maria is just really such a nice young woman. Like if I had a son, like, well, go over there and talk to that girl, you know? <laughs> um, when the Countess, I know many of you may not have seen this if you're not of the, the, of the, the, was it the Baroness. The Baroness, the yeah. Baroness, that's what it was. When she started manipulating Maria, I just wanted to like shove her into the bushes. Yeah, I like know. she made me mad. And then in that scene where the captain and Maria finally admit their feelings for each other, mm. I thought it was actually well written and well acted. Uh, the way they, you know, the way they sort of circled each other, trying to get the words out, that didn't feel forced to me. And I'm the one who will put down the novel that I'm uh, uh, 300 pages into. And say, I can't take it because the scene feels like they didn't earn it, like they didn't, it's forced, you know. I, and I didn't even, 
I didn't even hate the songs. The, the thing is, the good and the bad is that I played these in piano lessons and organ lessons while I was growing up. Oh my gosh. The, the dude with the pince-nez glasses, if he finds out he took organ lessons, I'm oh, that's over too. Uh, I missed the accordion craze by about three years. It was the, the songs, they, okay, they got mashed up in my head and they were running together as if they were one song. I, I am 16 going on 17, yodel lady, yodel lady, yodel lady, who for several days. So now I'm just monitoring myself and asking myself, what is it then that I like about this, right? It was the wholesomeness of it. And I felt at home with their values, okay? Their uh, sense of decency, a sense of duty, the importance of structure and discipline balanced by love. Uh, Maria, Maria loved those kids, and yes, she insisted that they behave and that it was time for bed. Sorry, time for bed, children, you know. Uh, you know, on and on. The patriotism, the courage to resist evil, it, I... It's really a good movie. And I had, you know, it's been around all my life and it's been parodied by everybody. I had a Mad Magazine parody of this, one of the songs going in my head at one point. But in short, it's a good movie. But here's my, uh, yeah, my, my Fender Jaguar guitar will be up for sale tomorrow on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> I have to be true to myself. Anyway, but what I want to know is how... How is it Catholic other than, you know, okay, so Maria, yeah, Maria's a nun and there are nuns in it, but they, you know, uh, could it, it, they, I feel like they could have done the movie without that. Right. You know what I mean? Some of it. I understand she was struggling with what she wanted to do with her life and all that. I get that. But anyway, talk to me about Catholicness and the sound of music. Yeah. So the sound of music, the, film came out in 1965. So uh, most of our listeners probably, you know, your entire life, this movie has been right. out there. And, you know, it's interesting, a thing about a lot of movies, and one might say of a lot of works of art, is that, I mean, it's, I believe it's a profoundly Catholic movie, even though I don't know, the people who wrote it weren't Catholic, to the best right. of my knowledge. The producer, Robert Weiss, wasn't Catholic. Robert Rod Weiss, Hammerstein. Hammer, yeah, these yeah, are Rogers not, yeah. and Hammerstein weren't Catholic. These are not, yeah. Uh, the actors weren't Catholic. And so, in some sense, n nobody involved set out to make a Catholic movie. And yet, I think it becomes a profoundly Catholic movie in as much as it illustrates Catholic themes. And it captures the spirit of Catholicism in some really interesting ways, I think. So let me pick up on something that you said that I, I was struck by watching it again. Because again, I, you know, the movie came out in 1965. We've seen this thing however many times our whole right. life. You know, I remember right. watching when I was a little kid. And, right. You know, and I watched it right. again this week to get ready for this conversation. And the older I get, the more I see it a little bit differently. And and now I think it's probably the first time I've watched it since I entered the Catholic Church. Hmm. And so I suggested we watch this because I remembered it. And in my memory, I go, you know, there's there like a lot in there is super Catholic. And I remember seeing on some websites and whatnot people discussing how Catholic is this film. So I thought it'd be interesting for us to talk about it. But watching it again the other day, I 
I really was struck by a lot of things. And I want to pick up on one thing that you said about resonating with its values. Yeah. Okay. Even though nobody involved in the production necessarily was Catholic, to the best of my knowledge, or intended to make a Catholic movie, I, I think what it did is it captured the the tail end, the the pinnacle, the the sort of I don't want to say if the high point, but the last fading moments of a civilization. Hmm. You know, if you hmm. think about Western civilization, profoundly influenced, obviously, by Catholicism sure. for 2,000 years. So this movie is set in, I think, 1938. Yeah. Um, because in 1939, I think it was, uh, Hitler invaded Poland. Right. And so there's a historical background. You know, Hitler invades Poland in 1930, but during the late 30s, right? He's growing in, you know, power and whatnot. And he starts gobbling up little pieces of land around Germany. So there was like a little little region, I think, between Germany and Hungary called the Sudetenland. And he sort of gobbles yeah. that up. And and then the whole the sound of movie, the, the sound of music, the whole premise of the film or the plot is something called the Anschluss which was something that Hitler did, I think, in 19, I think it was 1938, where basically he annexed Austria. Okay. And with, with a number of politicians and people in Austria who sort of wanted to join in with Hitler's Germany and, you know, form the Third Reich. And so they basically annexed the nation of Austria. Yeah. And that's the background of this film, right? You know, right. so you've got the Van Trop, Van Trop family and you've got the, the like town mayor who's like this little creepy Nazi guy. And you got the little uh, telegram boy, you know, the one girl's boyfriend who wants to be a little Hitler youth and all that. And because this is all going on and, you know, and at right. the end there, the Anschutz happens and they're going to send Captain Van Trop out to work on a Nazi warship or something. And so this is all going on, and and but I think there's another thing that's going on, which is sort of the end, uh, you know, the end of this era, right? Because if you think about what's about to happen at the end of that film, which is World War II breaks out, and then coming out of World War II, we have the post-war period, right? Uh, and all that that comes with that cultural change, technology, yep. you know, the bomb, the communications revolution, the sexual revolution, the you know, yep. the, the world is kind of blew up, you know, right. uh, from World War II onward to where we are today that really what you were seeing in that movie is the last fading twilight of sort of classical Western civilization yeah, and Catholicism mm -hmm. uh, as it was, you know, you have convents full of nuns, you have what well, you said, like the values, you right. have music, you have literature, you have this, this whole sort of civilization that really was profoundly shaped by Catholicism. Right. And we've talked to that's what we've talked about this right. podcast all the time, you know, how Protestantism comes along sort of a, as a Johnny come lately. Right. But really the civilization that you see in that movie is and, and it's capturing the fading twilight of really the Western Catholic era. So I, I think there's something about that when I watched it, I, I, I feel the other night as I was watching it, I felt sad. I felt like I was looking at a civilization yeah. that's gone. Yeah. That civilization is gone and I don't know what it will look like for it to come back. And I think that you even sense that in the film that, you know, here we are, you know, in the 
Von Trapp family estate and the kids singing in the, you know, curtain clothes or whatever it is that they're, you know, right. running around doing. But, you know, you have this sense of doom that's coming. Right. And this sense that all of this is going to be over. And there, and when this is all over, there won't be convents full of nuns, you know, singing the liturgy right. of the hours. There won't be families and children raised on these values. I mean, there won't be books, you know, within a generation after that, you're going to have the communications revolution. Um, there's going to be the internet. There's going to be television. There's going to be all these right. things. Those kids are going to be sitting around, you know, by the lake, you know, learning songs. They're going to be glued to, right. you know, they're going to be watching your rock and roll, you know, within, right. within, you know, those little kids in that movie, within 20 years, they're going to watch an Elvis and the Beatles and right. that world and rock and roll is going to blow it up. And then the sexual revolution is going to blow it up. And it isn't going to be like Captain Von Trapp, you know, properly courting the Baroness or courting Maria. Right. It's like everyone's just going to be sleeping together and, you know, right. the kids are going to be running around getting pregnant. And, you know, the whole world is about to blow up. And I, so one thing about that film that just struck me watching again, when you ask what's Catholic about it, is even set or setting aside the sort of religious dimension of Catholicism. Right. It, it really represents those last fading, you know, golden hours of sunset on it right before World War II between the wars there on what was left of sort of Catholic Western civilization. We'll get back to the conversation in just a few moments. But first, I'd like to ask for your support in producing and expanding this podcast. It's produced by a 501c3 nonprofit ministry called One Whirling Adventure, with a mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. Now, the production budget of this podcast isn't big, but it is real. We've set a goal of 40,000 worldwide downloads in 2023, with a crowdfunding goal of $35,000 to make that happen. Would you help us make that happen? If so, please go to consideringcatholicism.com. You can see our GuideStar charity rating there and donate online with a one-time or recurring gift. And if you have a business or organization interested in sponsoring our ministry, please shoot me an email, greg at consideringcatholicism.com. Thank you for listening and considering helping us to help others consider Catholicism. And now, back to the conversation. Well, they were, there was, there was some real honest to goodness altruism here, right? Okay. So, so Maria, if we made that movie now, Maria would be sent to put that guy in his place. Who does he think he is having all that money and so forth and so on? And she doesn't do that. She goes in there to serve him. Yeah. And the reason that the Baroness can manipulate her is because she's serious about serving the Von Trapp family. So she, when she realizes that she was, that she came, she, when she, she came there to, to help them and now she's interfering, she, she thinks, well, I can't do that because that's not my place. And we live in a world where you can't tell anybody that it's not their place to do something. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like you say, and you, you said a minute ago, wholesomeness. I mean, I was, I was struck again watching it, how it was infused with this sense of goodness. And, you know, we have been talking, you know, in this podcast from the beginning about 
uh, you know, a hundred and something episodes now about the, the three transcendental values, uh, you know, that Catholicism uh, right. upholds in the Catholic catechism of the Catholic mm-hmm. church, right? Truth, goodness, and beauty. And I think that you see that in that film, you know, there's this commitment to truth. People are, are, are searching for truth. You don't get in this, this sense of, well, you know, who's right? You're right. Maria's right. The Baroness is right. The little movie producer guy is right. Hitler's right. Everybody's right. There's no right. There's no wrong. There's a sense of right and wrong. And there is a sense of, of, of a search for truth. And, and then beauty, it's infused with beauty. Yeah. And so much of what would come after that was ugliness and has come after that is ugliness. It's, it's a rejection of the transcendental Catholic notion of beauty, beauty. So not just the war, but, you know, with some perspective, you know, I mean, I enjoyed growing up listening to rock and roll, but I look back at it all now and I look at uh, what would happen just that, if that movie set in 1938, within 20 years, you would have the rock and roll revolution right. of which you are a, a rock guitar god and all this kind of stuff. But <laughs> with a small G, please. Yeah, but right. But at the same time, look at what, look at the civilization that that gave birth to. Right. And it's not a civilization that's dedicated to beauty. Those children are learning music. And there's this folk festival, right? right? That's the whole premise, the big folk festival, Salzburg Folk Festival. And, you know, people are committed to doing beautiful things. And then you look at just even things like the sets and the scenery and everything is beautiful. And there's there's modesty and there's humility in it. Like, I love the part where uh, Maria comes and uh, she has, and he tells her to turn around. He goes, is that the only dress you have? And she says, well, yeah, when we entered the convent, you know, I had to give away all our worldly goods right. and to the poor. And he goes, and what about that? Well, what about that one? He goes, well, the poor didn't want this one, right? Right. And she says, well, I can make my own clothes. Right. And so he goes, well, I have some material scent, right? And, you know, you just think about that time when people, you know, uh, there were, there's a, like you said, a wholesomeness to it, a goodness right. to it, a sense of and there's just a beauty to it and, and, and making beautiful things. The set is beautiful. The sets are beautiful. I mean, well, the whole premise of the film, right? From the beginning is the hills are alive. The sun, they have the helicopter shots or whatever right. they are over the hills. There's beauty. And, you know, Maria's speeches to the, to the Reverend mother in the convent or whatever, you know, right. the hills and the beauty call to me. Right. So there's this commitment to truth and there's this commitment that's evident in the film and there's that sense of transcendental beauty that infuses the film, but there's also this transcendental sense of goodness. Like you say, she's a humble, humble. She's trying to serve people. People trying to, I mean, other than the Baroness and the little right. Nazi puke right. boy, but everybody's trying to do this. In fact, I think what's even interesting there at the end, when uh, the captain at the in the convent at the end, when the little Nazi boy has his gun on him, and he says, "You right. know, Rolf, you're not one of them." Right. There's this sense that just infuses it of the good, that the good right. is a thing. So yeah. one of the things I would say is it, 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 it's a Catholic film or it exemplifies Catholicism so well, because on the one hand, it, it captures the tail end of Catholic civilization and it's infused with these values of truth and goodness and beauty. And the older I get, now I see it again with right. different eyes. I go, wow, that's gone. I mean, watch me one contemporary movie one right that is infused with these notions of of truth and goodness and beauty and i was that i was you know uh, go ahead I, well i was i'm i'm you know having grown up seeing christians and in in general and catholics in particular being painted as just these cartoonish people right i was a little surprised 
Uh, I shouldn't have been, but I was, it was, I was glad it was, it was a good surprise. Uh, Maria goes back to the convent and she, and she tells, she says, well, I can't go there. I can't be there anymore. And the woman who runs the place, what, what is her position? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever. The anyway, abbot, the abbess, the abbess, she, she pulls her into a room privately and she says, tell me the truth. And she said, well, you know, I'm, she tells her the whole story and she says, you can't, she says, I'm ready to take my vows right now. I want to be in there. Cause she was, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. So let's just clarify that. So she's a, she's actually not a nun. So in the religious orders, what for either men or women, um, she's what's called a postulant. And then you go to the novitiate or the novices and right. you take full vows. So basically, and again, there, there is a lot of Catholicism in this movie because of that. And, and I want to get into what I think is, you know, the central Catholic theme of this movie in just a moment here. But but that ties into this. So Maria at the beginning of the film or through the film, she's a postulant, which is when she's considering joining the religious right. order. And so you move in and you begin to live with them for a year, two years, right. so that you kind of get to know what they're all about right. and they get to know you. Right. And then if after a couple of years of, of that, you would become a novice which is you take uh, provisional vows and you tr essentially try out living right. those vows for a couple of years before you would then take permanent vows. Right. And so th at the very beginning, that whole thing, when the nuns are walking around, like, we can't find Maria, where is she? And, you know, they right. sing this whole, and then they have right. this whole dialogue about the, the one uh, who's the head of the postulants and the one who's the head of the novices. And what do you think about right. Maria? And should she be able to move on to the novitiate? Right. But she, yeah, but you're right. She comes back. And I want to say something this because I right remember there's a line when she comes back and like you say that scene she comes back from the von Trapp estate and she's talking to the reverend mother or whatever and who says why are you here in the first place and she said well when I was a little child I would come down from the hills right. and I would look over the wall right of your convent and it looked beautiful and that life looked beautiful and I was right. attracted to that. Hey, where are you going to hear something like that in any right. modern movie? Right. And so she says, you know, okay, so she says, I'm ready to take my vows right now. And I was delighted to hear what the abbess said. She said, Maria, you, this is not a place where you can come to run away from your troubles and run away from the world. You have to face this. I, I wrote the line down, Ed. I was yeah, taking okay, notes. Let's, let's hear it. I actually, I was like struck by this and I, and I wrote the line down. Um, the, the abbess says, if you love this man, it doesn't mean that you love God less. These walls weren't meant to shut out our problems. You have to face them and you have to live the life you were born to live. Right. And I thought that was just, just on the face of it, that was far more three-dimensional and deep then I, as a Protestant, would have given them credit for being. And it was, uh, I was struck with how you, you just you just can't talk like that anymore. It's, well, I'm going to save up, um, watching the clock here, but I want to save up for what I think is the central theme of the movie, but I want to point out something else to follow okay. what you're saying. Because I made some notes to myself here uh, as I was watching it. And there's this whole thing at the beginning where they sing the song, how do you solve a problem like Maria? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> now you're stuck in your head all day. Right. right? But one of the things that strikes me about the Maria character, especially at the beginning, 
and, you know, in the convent and she's off, you know, she's late, she's this, she's that, you know, and they hold that sing, hold that little sing song. She's never where she's supposed to be. She's always late for this and that, right. but not for meals, you know, and all that is, here's a note I wrote to myself. I said, this isn't grim Protestant piety. Right. Yeah. Now, both of us can relate to that. Sure. Because both of us grew up in, uh, you know, or have lived all of our lives in, you know, you know, uh, pretty conservative yeah. Protestant churches. And there is a sense in which you're not supposed to, you know, uh, I mean, you have to be sort of super serious about religion. They, they take their pleasures sadly. <laughs> yeah, right. But you're supposed to be really serious about religion. Right. And if, and there's a kind of a, this isn't maybe the place for it, but there's this kind of like um, grim piety that comes with, yep. with Catholicism. And if you go back and look at say, I came out of the Calvinist background, but this was a Calvin. They went and they smashed, you know, the stained glass windows. They stripped that out. They made people sit in church and listen to hour long, you know, lecture right. sermons. I mean, there's a sense in which, right, you're not supposed to joke. We, we live here in West Michigan where, uh, you know, a generation or so ago when you were growing up, you couldn't go to the movie theater on Sunday. Right. right? I had friends in, in when I was uh, in grade school, I had friends who couldn't do anything on Sunday. They just had to sit in there. They couldn't ride their bike. They couldn't, you know. Because it, because if you're really pious and you really take God, there's a sort of Calvinist uh, thing that runs through American pietism and, right. and European pietism. And, and that is, is that it, it's that you uh, the sovereignty of God demands that everything be stripped, uh, that, that all fun be stripped away. And, and the thing about the Maria character is she shows, I think, this sort of Catholic notion of that the world is sort of big and God is big. Yeah. And yep. there's yep. there's room for this. And so, you know, this was Catholicism. Like if you go back to the Protestant Reformation, you know, both on the continent and in England, it was, it was not the case. It's an exact opposite to say that Catholicism was this dry, formal thing of people saying right. anything and then Protestantism loosened it. It was almost the other... Catholics, one of the reasons why the Protestants attacked Catholicism was they had all their festivals and their right. feast days and their, right. and their fun and their merriment. And right, this is, go back to church history and look at the things that people like the Calvinists or the, the Presbyterians or these folks in, or the Baptists were saying in England. And that is, is that we have to do away with all of this feasting and frivolity and right. merriment that Catholicism brings. And so one of the things I thought that, is, you know, strikes this is Maria is almost like the embodiment of this sort of, you know, joyful Catholicism. Right. Yeah. And, and it's finding joy in all of these things and that there's a time for prayer. Obviously she goes to Vespers, she goes right. to mass, you sing the prayers and that's a part of, of the rhythm of life. But, but it's meant to be joyful and outside of that's joyful. And so I, I think that the contrast of the Maria character and the, and this whole thing with the grim Protestant pieties is, right. is huge. But I want to come to what I think is the central Catholic theme of this. And that is the concept of vocation. Because mm -hmm. I, I think that this film really, the, the running theme of everything in this film is about vocation. So let's just say what vocation is. Vocation means you're calling, right? So vocation comes from the Latin voce, voice, vocal. Yep. And it's hearing, you know, the voice of God in a sense in your calling. Now, 
when it comes to vocation, there is this sort of grim, I think, piety that comes in Protestantism. But Catholicism is a very rich notion of vocation, that we are called to all these different things in life and that to be, to be called to be a father, to called to be a husband, to be called to be a farmer, to, called, to be called to these things is, is part of the natural vocations of life. And what you see in the film is everybody, is, everybody in that movie is struggling with their vocation. So it starts yeah. out in here's... Maria doing exactly what the purpose of a postulant is, you know, supposed to do. Right. She's in the convent living for a year or two, trying to figure out if this is where she's right. supposed to be. And, and the abbess wisely sends her out into the world briefly to, to see if this is it. And then she is struggling with whether what her relationship with these children is supposed to be in this family and then struggling with marriage and realizing that her vocation is family. Right. And I, that, that line I, I wrote down where the abbess says, if you love this man, it doesn't mean you love God less and th that your vocation is somewhere else. And then everybody else in the thing is struggling with vocation. You know, um, Captain Von Trapp is struggling with vocation. You know, he's a retired uh, naval officer, right. but he's trying to figure out what his vocation is supposed to be and how he's supposed to follow God. You have the children trying to figure out what it means for them to follow God. Everybody in this thing is trying to figure out the, the little telegram boy that the lethal yeah. girl yeah. is trying to figure out whether to follow the Nazis or for that. Um, everybody in here is, is struggling to figure out and hear the voice of God and understand that the voice of God in our vocations and calling are callings are rich and complex and that I think that's one of the things that strikes me so deeply about the Catholicism inherent in it and the end of that civilization is that they're all trying they're all in search of that well now that you say that I I never th now I have to I've, I've never had this thought yet so uh this first time so let me try to get it out in the Protestant world the the highest calling is always a religious calling. That's, you know, uh, my son's a minister. You know, uh, I was always afraid growing up in the Baptist church that God would want me to be a missionary because that would be, that's the ultimate, the ultimate expression of being a Christian is being a missionary or going into the ministry somehow. And I think I've fallen into that over a period of my life, my, my, over my whole life, thinking that, you know, I'm a musician, so I need to be a musician for uh, for God. What does that mean? Well, I have to go play in a church. Has the thought that God would call me to be a musician and not play in a church is such a weird, uh, such a weird thought. And and it's an uh, so what you say is a very interesting. Well, think about this. Look at the great cathedrals in Europe. You know, we're talking about this as maybe being like the twilight. This film being the twilight hours of of Catholic civilization. You look at the great cathedrals in Europe that were all built often over a hundred years or 200 years to build them, you know, so yeah. the generation that started them didn't finish them. And there's something that I think we've talked about it before. Corey and I have talked about it. Um, it's called the medieval synthesis. The idea that sort of at the, the, the pinnacle of this Catholic civilization at the high middle ages, you had this sort of synthesis of all aspects of society. Um, the, you know, the religious dimension, the 
you know, the, the craftsmen, the arts, all right. of these things. And you see it in the cathedrals because it took a hundred years or 200 years to build a cathedral. And you think about all of those people, the stonemasons, the, you know, tile people, the this, the farmers who had to feed everybody to do it. Um, the, you know what I'm saying, right? Yep. It took a civilization yep. to build a cathedral. And I think that there was a sense in which the civilization was aimed at building the cathedral. So in one sense, this, this, the cathedral represents the ultimate terminal goal or ultimate representation of us. Right. But it's a complex civilization and culture that it takes to produce that. Yeah, and I, sure. could, I could go on now for 20 minutes about the construction of cathedrals and the arts and the crafts right. and the, you know, the complexity of that and, and how complex of, how complex of a civilization it takes to produce Chartres Cathedral right. or whatever. When the Reformation comes along, obviously I'm not saying that the, the Protestant society doesn't have all these complexities. In many ways, it unleashes this commercial revolutions and scientific revolutions mm -hmm. in, in some ways, but they're no longer directed. Right. And I think the synthesis here is that it took a complex civilization, lots of people with lots of vocations, all living and working together, right. all aimed at the same goal yeah. of, you know, building a civilization that honored God. The sort of post-Catholic notion is everybody's a free agent pursuing what they're going to do in the free market, yeah. which unleashes a lot of creativity and commercial possibilities and all this, but it no longer is aligned right. towards some ultimate goal. It doesn't have an end. It doesn't have an end. And it certainly doesn't have the end of honoring and glorifying the truth and goodness and beauty of God. Yep. And I think what you see in the sound of music is all of these people trying to figure out their individual vocation. And you're also yeah. seeing in the film, this twilight hours of a civilization that's being uh, blown to smithereens right. by modernity yeah the war and everything that would come after the war and is i feel watching that film infused with a powerful sense of sadness for the end of that civilization the end of that culture and wondering how you will ever rebuild that again and, and even the thing of patriotism you know you mentioned that <laughs> patriotism is a real thing like you know this word with a wordy actually. So patria would be Latin for father, father fatherland, yeah. you know, it, it's, and, and so Thomas Aquinas, the great, you know, medieval thinker, St. Thomas Aquinas, great medieval theologian philosopher writes about that. And that there is a, it's a proper thing that God puts in us that we should love and honor our, uh, the, the, the land that gives us right. our home and our birth. Right? right. And it's, and so he talks about Patria and the love of Patria that it's right for Austrians to love their land. It's right, right for them to love the hills and the valleys that God right. has made and given them. And that's where they, you know, of course at the end, he sings the Edelweiss song. I was remembering in the great, another great movie, Casablanca, where, you know, they stand up in Rick's cafe or whatever, and they all sing the Marseillaise, you know, the, basically the French, yeah. you know, national anthem and the Nazis all get, you know, upset, you know, and the same thing here, you know, they're singing, all the people are singing Edelweiss, which is sort of like, you know, God bless America for Austrians. Right. And, you know, the Nazis are all bad, right? But right. the people love it. But what's interesting too, is they, they realize that, that because of love of family and the higher values, they have to leave their home. Right. And leave the mountains yep. because there are higher values. So 
So all in all, I think that, it, you know, it's not a Catholic film. And, you know, and I love the fact that the end, the nuns to take the, dis, you, you know, pull right. the, the distributor wires off right. the, Nazi, the Nazi mobile. I love that. Uh, and, you know, and there's a whole nother podcast we could do sometime about how the church resisted uh, the Nazis and, you know, sure. the church and how it has participated in, yep. you know, resistance over the years. So I, I think... All in all, no, it's not a Catholic movie in the sense that it is didactically Catholic, but it's infused with Catholicism. And I think yeah. it, inf it exemplifies, I think, a lot of the best values of Catholicism. I'm glad I watched it. I, 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 it, it, um, it unearthed in me a little bit of, um, I realized that I, I, I joked about it in the beginning of, the, of this episode, but I was, I, I've, Loving modern culture and rock and roll and all that stuff can make a person jaded. Uh, and, and uh, you know, sort of the essence of being cool is that you don't like anything. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person, you know. Uh, good music is good music. And the music in this thing was, by the way, very well done. I, I would actually ra see that and raise you uh, on the poker hand here because... Actually, I think that that rock and roll revolution and that sort of modernity is all based not just on being jaded or thinking that what came before was uncool. It's it's based on mockery of it. Yeah. I mean, I think if you go back to the what would occur 20 years after that and right. then since then is this sense of endless mocking and degradation of that Catholic civilization that came before. Yeah. And, and think about, you know, you go from, you know, the sound of music and the nuns singing there and Maria to, you know, what it would be 34 years later and Madonna prancing around in some right. kind of a, you know, pseudo nun right. outfit, making fun of it all. Right. And, and I, that's why as I've gotten older, I, I grew up with rock and roll. I, it appeals to me less and less because I realize that so much of it is actually based on, I think right. a, almost a sacrilegious mockery of beautiful things that came before. And I find myself uh, sort of wistfully thinking about a lost civilization. Yeah. If I, if, um, when I was a kid, I had to learn this music, right? And I took, starting in, uh, oh gosh, 1963, I started taking organ lessons, but I had to learn, the stuff I was learning was all classical type stuff. Uh, and I got an education, you know, um, the musician, if I have, I have a little bit of a reputation for being a good musician. And part of it is because I understand the music. Part of the reason I understand the music is because I was made to understand it at a, at a deeper level. In fact, I have a blog post about trying to teach a, a guitar player to drive. Uh, and all they want to do is just know how to get to the beach. And that's all they care about. <laughs> right. Just show me which pedals and which th right. steering wheel to turn to get to the beach. And, and I see that happening in music. It's, um, it's a big dumbing down, you know, uh, you, it's essential to know those things. And if there are no, there are no songs like the songs in that movie anymore. Nobody writes stuff like that. Yeah. Not much anyway. Well, that was Movie Club. And so we... Uh, What's next? We, you I don't know. We, um, I've got some ideas. Let's talk about our ideas offline. But we'll come back with another Movie Club in a month or so. All right. Okay. Take care. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, 
then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.